0: Well, even though it's not a solemn mass today, I thought I'd sing the gospel. I don't, I don't usually the deacon, you know, reads the gospel. I, I don't get the chance every, but every now and again, just to sing the gospel in the whole tone. All right. Yes. Today, of course, these parables, uh, well, this whole season of November and into early December, we focus as a church on the last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. It sort of comports with the seasons where we see that the once green trees and so on are shedding their leaves and kind of going into a, a type of a, at least temporary death we call winter. And um, we see that um, that's kind of a visual reminder from the created world that all things do pass and that we too will one day die. We will face judgment and be either in heaven or hell. And these parables that Jesus tells, I've told you this many times, but of the 38 parables, at least 21 of them are devoted to this understanding of judgment and the fact that some go into heaven, some depart to hell. There's the wise virgins and the foolish virgins today. We also have sheep and goats. We have those on the right, those on the left. We have the wheat and we have the tares. We have those who want to go into the wedding feast and those who say, I've got something better to do with my time and so on. I could go on, but you start to see that Jesus tells these parables. This is something that's on his mind a lot, and too many of us just say, oh, come on. No one's going to hell, but Jesus didn't say that. In fact, he spent a lot of time teaching that many do sadly depart. They're not interested, he laments, in what really I and my Father are offering them, and we won't force them but they've got us. They got to wise up. If we can use the language from today's today's um, readings, it's an old spiritual. Most of you know it. Keep your lamps trimmed and burning. The day is drawing nigh. Beautiful old spiritual. Just reminds us of this this um, this beautiful parable. So let's look at there are, if you will, some practical principles that the Lord wants to give us today about preparing for judgment. And that is, uh, there are four of them and that um, we'll look at them now one by one. And the first thing is that we must procure our provisions. The gospel opens with noting that there were 10 virgins who were prepared to meet the groom when he would arrive for a wedding. And five of them were wise. And because of that, they brought extra oil. And five of them were foolish, thinking, well, this is enough. This will be enough. Okay." Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about weddings in the ancient world. In our culture, the bride is always late. (laughs) And she makes the grand entrance. This is how we celebrate weddings. But in many parts of the world, even to this day, and certainly in the ancient world, it was the groom who made the entrance. The families were assembled and the groom would uh, make a, a grand entrance at some point, And then he would uh, go in to the wedding feast, so to speak, and the wedding would be celebrated. Now, um, notice it says, you know, the, the groom was long delayed. This doesn't mean he was stuck in traffic, but this was a kind of a, this was a kind of an expectation that the groom would delay his coming for a while to kind of create sense of tension. Now notice again it also mentions that he finally, com- he finally comes at midnight. Now you say, well that's crazy, who'd celebrate a wedding at midnight? Okay, well actually <laughs> let's go back to the ancient world. You're living in say the town of Nazareth and it's the first century. You're living in a climate, a Mediterranean climate, where there are certain seasons for harvest and certain seasons for planting and in between you've got some time on your hands. You might have to go out and maybe pull a few weeds or whatever but basically the time between uh, sowing the seed and the harvest you had a little time on your hands and this is when they would celebrate weddings and they had a lot of weddings. And um, these weddings were celebrated over the period not just of one afternoon on a Saturday but over a period of four or five days and families would gather. And likewise, because of the Mediterranean climate, it was sort of it was sort of hot during the day, but at night it was cool. And so they would kind of hide out during the heat of the day, and then in the evening they would come out with big torches and were lit and so on, and they'd have the, the wedding the wedding they'd have the wedding, you know, uh, celebrations in the evening when it was cooler. Okay. And so uh, the, the groom, at, at a certain day, not the first day, but the second day, would make his arrival and would often be late into the evening. And let's just say there was some drinking going on and people were relaxed and, and uh, you know, it was, they would combine the reception with the wedding itself, all right? <laughs> we delay the reception, all right. But you start to see that this is um, the basic picture in front of us. So the groom... Uh, delays his coming in this gospel. But we see here that, notice again, in this first step to procure their provisions, the five wise virgins and the five foolish virgins, the five wise ones brought um, extra oil, realizing that frequently grooms would delay their coming. The other one said, ah, no, this will be enough. This will be enough. And they were called foolish. All right. Now, by the way, again, here too, this is a common thing that these Virgins, the bridesmaids, would greet with a, lit, with a lit oil lamp the groom when he arrived and escort him into the, um, into the wedding, and that, that was common at the time as well. All right, what are, what are, this provision, for them it was oil, but what does the oil represent? Okay. Now look, <clears throat> you and I have an appointment to meet a bridegroom, and his name is Jesus. One day he's going to call us, Will he come early in our life? Will he come later? I don't know. You're going to die, but you don't get to say when or how. But the question is, will you have the provisions that you need to make it through this life and still be ready with oil in your lamp when the groom shall call? Well, what are some of these provisions? Well, I would say for us in our uh, Catholic you and for the last 2,000 years, that the oil represents the fundamental things of our faith life. If you were to go with me to Acts 2 and verse 42, you would find that there are four basic pillars of the Christian life, which serve as our provisions, our, our oil for our lamps. It says that the apostles dedicated themselves to the, I'm sorry, the, the disciples dedicated themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of the bread, to the prayers, and to holy fellowship. Now, all four of those things are very important. They're the four pillars on which the Christian life is set. What are these things? See, they devoted themselves. Notice it doesn't say they dabbled in it. They went occasionally when they got around to it. It says they devoted themselves to these four things. The first one, the apostles' teaching, that's the scriptures. By extension, all the scriptures, not just the New Testament, you know, the four gospels and the epistles, those are the apostles' teachings, yes. But for us, the whole of scripture, an essential provision for you and for me to be ready to have oil in our lamps, burning brightly, when the Lord shall come and call us, is to first of all be deeply rooted in scripture collecting that scripture, storing it up in our mind and our heart, having it at hand for difficult days. You know, we all go through difficult times and it's just good to have some of those scriptures to remind you that the trouble don't last always and that joy will come with the morning light. We, We need those scriptures for those dark and cloudy days. We need to store it up and have it on hand. Have it deeply rooted in our heart and our mind so the first pillar deeply rooted in the scriptures you procured provi- the provision of the scriptures in your life and as hopefully you hear scripture every Sunday of course but hopefully during your week you you also read the scriptures or listen or perhaps there's a um, a podcast that you listen to of the daily readings but do it you know, we find time for everything else You know why not God's word and wise people listen and look for opportunities to hear God's word and store it up foolish people say ah I got other things to do definition of a fool right number one you know just blow off scripture all right now the second provision they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to the breaking of the bread that is a you that's a the biblical way in the New Testament that the Eucharist is referred to. The breaking of the bread is not just let's, let's have some meal. We're, it's the Eucharist and by extension all the sacraments, right? And so again, store it up. Now, some sacraments we receive only once. We're baptized once. We're confirmed once. Married once. Can somebody say once? Married Once okay but there's other sacraments like holy confession and holy eucharist that we are called to receive frequently to store it up put that oil in your lamp get to confession frequently i mean some of you are a lot more holy than i am apparently i go to confession once a week <laughs> some folks hardly ever go at all i mean you must be really holy how do you do it man <laughs> so store up confession store it up make that part of your life likewise the the, the the related to it the 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 worthy reception of jesus in the holy eucharist let him store it up receive him every sunday and if you can come to mass on the daily mass come to daily mass but store it up he sticks to your ribs <laughs> he, he he nourishes you he gives you food for the journey right that's oil for your lamp too right keeps your lamps trimmed and burning and brightly burning Jesus in the Eucharist, Jesus in holy confession, you see? And so again, these are the, 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 the second pillar, the first pillar, the word of God, the second pillar. What is it? The Eucharist, all the sacraments by extension, okay? So again, if you're regularly receiving the holy Eucharist and getting to confession, you are officially wise. <laughs> if you're not, you are officially a fool don't play the fool now okay store it up store it up thirdly they they dedicated themselves to the apostles teaching to the breaking of the bread the eucharist likewise to the uh to the prayers now this would be private prayer and it would also be liturgical prayer we come together and every Sunday in some holy days, and we engage in this great work of the liturgy. The liturgy isn't just, you know, some formalities we go through. This is to be caught up into the heavenly worship. This is to be, to join Jesus Christ, our high priest, and he walks this aisle, and he comes and he is among us, and he says, peace be with you, and he celebrates, he gives us his word, and he feeds us with his body and blood this is the great high feast of every week this is not the weekend this is the first day of the week Sunday is and by gosh you got to be in God's house get storing up some oil for the week ahead are you praying with me the liturgy is meant to reform us and to form us and change us and nourish us and strengthen us some people say oh yeah it's just a tedious ritual no it's not a tedious ritual it is a transformative reality this is what the holy mass is i'm going to just tell you i've been going to mass every day of my life since i entered seminary about 40 years ago i can just tell you it works (laughs) i'm a changed man i'm not the one i'm not the one i used to be now i'm not what i want to be yet but i'm certainly not what i used to be and i give god all the glory and i especially give god the glory in the holy liturgy and through the sacraments and through his holy word yes so again, Holy Mass, Holy Eucharist, in this year of the Eucharist, look, with this you are wise, without it you're a fool and you don't stand a chance. I'm just going to say it. Now tell that to some of your family members who should be here but aren't. Just tell them they are the biblical definition of a fool. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> be prudent. <laughs> but you get the vision. All right. Finally, there's holy fellowship. Notice again, they, do- they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of the bread, the prayers, and holy fellowship. Now, fellowship. Oh, We've got to rescue the word from banality. It's not coffee and donuts. That's nice if you can get to it. But you know, holy fellowship holy fellowship koinonia is the greek word it talks about deep relationships in the faith where we support each other we call each other to account and we encourage each other in the darkness i hope you have some good spiritual friends in your life i'm blessed to have about five priests that i get together with every week on the day off i've also got some other very close spiritual friends who help me when i'm in trouble i do i hope you do You know, those priest friends of mine and those other spiritual friends know just about everything about me. And they know how to tell me, cut it out, man. Stop all that nonsense. And they also know how to encourage me when I need it. You know, I hope you have that. So the Lord is saying, store this up. Seek this. Work on these relationships. Prayer partners, others. I know women in this parish that meet every day on the phone at 7 in the morning. Oh, that's too early to pray the father that's an unholy hour how can you pray at an unholy hour whatever you know you see this is important and it's missing in a lot of people's lives today holy friendships koinonia communion with people who are spiritual they're not your drinking buddies they're they're going to help you drink the spirit the holy spirit all right amen all right so what is the oil Well, I I used another text to sort of define it for you, but the oil that we should be looking to store up for a rainy day or a late arriving groom is, again, the Apostles' teaching. Scripture, daily diet of Scripture, daily, weekly diet of Holy Eucharist, frequently to Holy Confession. Likewise, again, we're to keep, if you will, the liturgical prayer and our private prayer. And we are indeed to have holy fellowship that we cultivate and work to keep keep going. This is oil for your lamp. So number one, in preparation for our judgment day, the day we die and the day we go to judgment, what? Number one, procure your provisions. And I have completely worn you out already with what they are, but you know it now, all right, all right. Well, what is my oil? What is well, now you know, okay, all right. Next, personally prepare. In this gospel, there comes a p- puzzling moment to some people that when the, the, uh, the ones who um, don't have enough oil, well, the groom finally does arrive toward midnight, and um, suddenly um, he, uh, they, they say, well help, share, share your oil with us. We, we, our lamps are going out. He says, no, there might not be enough. You know, it wasn't like a quick procession. They'd greet the groom, and they'd dance around the groom, and there were different things, and it took a little time to welcome the groom, (laughs) all right? (laughs) Remember, these weddings went over four days, okay? So, uh, nope, there might not be enough for both of us. You better go ahead and get your own. Go off to the merchants, you know, at midnight. But I told you, these people in that time of the year would be up late at night, you know, because of the weather and because of the nature of weddings and so on. All right. So they they run off to the merchants. Now, before we get to the rest of the story, why didn't the other bridesmaids share? I gave you a practical reason, but at the end of the day, here's what it means spiritually. There are just some things you can't borrow and some things you just can't loan. You can't borrow somebody else's holiness. You can't borrow somebody else's personal relationship with the Lord. You've just got to get it for yourself and you can't loan that out you can't do that and so we start to see that um, um, it's got to be something that we personally have if we're going to get ready for judgment we're going there you me alone before jesus see i hope it's the rest of you down here praying for me but the point is that i go and i stand before the lord on my own and i've got to have my own oil got to have my own prayer life I've got to have my own understanding and thirst and hunger for scripture I've got to have my own holy communion with the Lord I've got to get to confession myself I can't send somebody to represent me I've got to go there myself I've got to personally develop relationships with good holy people who assist me in my walk I've got to do that nobody can do it for me are you praying with me okay so we've got to procure our provisions and we have to personally prepare we also have to persevere in this preparation the groom was long delayed in his coming anyone know how long you're gonna live I don't know sometimes it seems like the Lord is long in answering prayers and some of us I remember my poor grandmother <laughs> at 94 she says I can hardly see anymore I can hardly hear I can't concentrate to pray or read why am I still here?" <laughs> she had plenty of oil in her lamp, thank God. She did. She's a good holy woman, but, you know, we may, there, there may be, we have a long journey to make through this desert that we call the world. The Promised Land is still off in the distance. And so again, we have to persevere. Now I find, I get, a, I get this a lot uh, as a priest, people will say, Um, I used to be an altar boy. I said, well, what you doing now? Well, you know how it is, Father. I said, no, tell me how it is. Oh, Oh, well, my grandmother built the place. Even before Jesus built the religion, my grandparents went there and they built that place. I said, well, that's nice. Where are you going to church? Well, you know how it is, Father. No, I don't. Tell me. See? There's a lot of people that either want to talk about something earlier in their life or they're going to try to borrow somebody else's holiness. Can't do it. And the question isn't whether you were an altar boy or whether you answered an altar call when you were 21 or what you did however many years ago. The question is, what are you doing now? Because oil has a way of running out. You burn it up. You got to keep acquiring it. You can't just say, well, I studied scripture. I went to I even went to, I even had a minor in theology in college. Great, you know, can you tell me anything about it now? Well, you know how it is, Father. No, tell me, (laughs) you know. I mean, Anyone study Spanish or something in college, you know? I'll tell you what I remember of Spanish, you know. Uh, Como se llama? Me llamo Carlos, you know. But you know you know that's about all i remember you can study something early in life and it's gone after a while if you don't use it you following me so you gotta persevere in your preparation now look you're all here today you, i'm preaching to the choir that, that choir and this choir you know i know you're above average but you and i know that we could fall out of this routine if we were if we're not careful stop going don't tell me what you did when you were 20, when you're 60. Don't tell me that. you got to stay. you got to keep oil ready for that lamp. you got to keep procuring. So we procure our provisions. We have to personally prepare, and we have to persevere in our preparations. And then finally, there is the peril of procrastination. Comes this moment where they go to get this oil, but the bridegroom comes, and they go into the wedding feast, and the door was locked. Hmm. The door was locked. What's that all about? Just maybe historically I'll give you some answers, but um, we'll have to look at what it means spiritually. Historically, if you can imagine ancient towns, they'd have like a little grid pattern with streets and these houses would front on the streets, but the center of that sort of block on the grid would be open. kind of like a courtyard and all the houses around there would sort of share that central courtyard. But when there was a wedding feast, you would bring people in and um, it got a little crowded. So what you do is you bring them all in, throw the furniture up against the wall because they had small houses, throw the furniture up against the wall, including in front of the front door, and um, you just use the courtyard and you use the covered areas of the house. You made all the room you could by putting the furniture up against the exterior walls. And so the door is barred. To open that door, <laughs> if somebody is so rude as to come late to the wedding and then want to have entrance, they're asking you to move all this furniture and stuff. Just say, sorry, I blew it. I'm too late. I go home. But they're going to ma- bang on the door. You see the vision? So the, the point for for them, just practically, is that you don't go late to a wedding. First of all, the, the, the groom is already going to be late, and you, you're going to be late on top of it? Uh-uh, ain't happening, you know? Right? See? So again, we see that uh, once the wedding had been begun, the, the, the evening festivities, so to speak, the doors were barred. People were in the courtyard, and banging on a door is rude, play, just plain rude. Now, spiritually they call and they say let us in let us in and the groom from inside says I don't know who you are I don't know you and um, he won't let them in now this comes to this very thorny thing that a lot of people want to ignore today that one day Jesus is going to be your judge right now he's, he's doing everything he can to get you saved There's going to come a day when the question is finally called. Do you really want have you ever shown any signs of wanting the kingdom that I 'm offering you? Because now it comes to this moment where you're either going to be in and you, because you want it or you're, you've, you've spent your whole life rejecting it, and now the question is called, and <clears throat> the judgment is made but father, but father but father, everybody wants to go to heaven. No. They want to go to a heaven of their own design, maybe. But the real heaven, the real one, has aspects of it that a lot of people are not interested in, like chastity, like generosity, forgiveness, love of one's enemy. Do you start to see why it's not true that everybody really wants heaven on its terms? They may want heaven to be like a golf course. They may want it to be only my family and friends and very worldly ideas, uh, but uh, do they really want the real heaven? And that's the question. Because you you don't go to a fake heaven or an imaginary heaven or a designer heaven, you go to the real heaven. And the question is, do you want it? And a lot of people show by the way they live, they don't want it. Another example, liturgy that we have here, this is the dress rehearsal. If you read the book of Revelation in the heaven, it's all like a liturgy. There's candles, there's priests, there's incense, there's, I mean, they're singing hymns, they're reading from a book. Are you praying with me? There's an altar with a lamb on it. That's heaven. That's how it's described. And how many people say, Ugh. Mass is so suffocatingly boring. I don't want to go to Mass. Well, then you're kind of saying you don't want to go to heaven. Now I know they do it better in heaven than we do it down here, I get that. But at the end of the day, if they don't want the dress rehearsal, see what are people saying? And all of a sudden comes judgment day and your heart has been set against what heaven really is. Do you think you're just gonna walk around and say, this place is great. No way! It's, it's too bright? Oh, who put on all those lights? You know, the blinding light of truth. It's too hot up here. That's the fire of God's love. Hell is hot, but heaven's hotter. You've got to be brought up to the temperature of glory, or are you are going to say, man, it's blazing hot in here? No, it isn't. It's perfect. It's like church, when all the ladies want the air conditioning off and all the guys want it on or whatever, you know. You know but look, you see, so there comes a moment When the Lord says, I don't know you. You've never wanted what I've offered. And here comes, turnabout is fair play. Now listen to me carefully here. They're knocking on the door, aren't they? Let us in. He says, well, look, what I got in here, you don't want. But here's the turnabout. They're knocking on the door to get in. Jesus says, I've been knocking on your door all your life. Revelation chapter 3. Behold, I stand at the door and knock if anyone will open to me I will enter and he she and I we will we will sit down to supper in other words an intimate walk with the Lord he's knocking on the door you say "Uh uh-uh I ain't here tell him I'm not here don't I don't think we're not here and you're knocking 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 And all of a sudden you die you're knocking 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 (laughs) and the Lord says I don't know who you are man Jesus said here I stand right for now Jesus said here I stand won't you please let me in you said I will but tomorrow tomorrow who promised you tomorrow better choose the Lord today for tomorrow very well might be too late Procrastination is perilous. That's, by the way, an old whining song, isn't it? You know, Jesus said, here I stand. Take that song out and listen to it. Share it with a neighbor. He's knocking. And there's a kind of turnabout is fair play in the sense that Jesus says, all your life long I've been knocking. And you said, you didn't want what I'm offering. Well, now you say you want what I'm offering, but you don't really know what's in here. You wouldn't like it. It's so everything you said you didn't like. Love of your enemy chastity you know forgiveness all that stuff you said you didn't want so consider yourself excused and this is hard for us we don't like to hear a God saying to somebody can't come in but remember God is love he's not going to force people and the saddest truth about people in hell is that they'd be more miserable in heaven There's mercy even in that moment of judgment. Jesus says, what I got in here, you can't take it, man. You can't take it. You can't take the truth. You can't stand the truth. It's too bright. I've never forced you, and I won't force you now, but I can't get you sunglasses strong enough to endure the glorious light of truth in this kingdom here. Are you praying with me? All right. As usual, I've gone on much longer than I should have. Here we come, though. Remember, four basic points. Make sure you procure your provision. We talked about four aspects of what that oil is. You better keep at it. You better personally prepare. Nobody else can do it for you. You need to persevere. You can't just say, well, I did it when I was 20. Okay, well, guess what? The oil ran out somewhere. <laughs> gotta keep that oil in stock. And then you gotta beware that procrastination is very perilous. Jesus says, He says, he finally concludes, he says, at an hour you don't expect, the Son of Man will come. Stay prepared. Whoever perseveres to the end will be saved, says the Lord. If you know it, sing it with me. Keep your lamps trimmed and burning. Keep your lamps trimmed and burning. Keep your lamps trimmed and burning. The day is drawing nigh. Somebody say amen for Jesus.